hear that? Yeah, what, a, what? No, I did not. What was that? I just heard like a 90 foot putt go in the hole from, nine, well, from 90 feet away, obviously. Maybe more. Yeah, you probably heard the sound of a directed force. <laughs> DF. Kind of sounds like the bad guys. I'll say it. I'll tell you what. I'm 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 excited to share this interview with Sam. This was kind of like you know we we did the interview like the night before all of the action. You know he was in our breaking series at Bandon. We spent like a day with him at their really. I mean, could you imagine? You know you 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 love golf and then you start a golf business and then your office is in the clubhouse of a really cool public golf course in a really beautiful area of the world, specifically it's Oregon. A good, it's a good deal. It's a good deal, they man. Figure, they figure, I work, actually, you might know this, at a golf company <laughs> with a pretty cool office. The only thing we're missing is, like, I feel like Emerald Valley would be the number one golf course in Austin if it was just right here. Oh, for sure. It was so beautiful to spend time there. And, you know, there's like a, I, I don't know if it's, like, the energy that Sam gives or what it is, but there's a leprechaun nature to this whole thing. Sam does strike me as a, he's a bit of a leprechaun. There's definitely a pot of gold at the end of <laughs> that <laughs> rainbow. Anyway, um, it was a pleasure for me. Uh, thank you to Sam for coming on and go to randomgolfclub.com slash pages slash lab dash golf, or just click the link in the description. It's in the description. It's easier to do that. Yeah. Just go down below and you'll get yeah, the Check out the product. The, the, this, this whole like partner page that we've created has kind of all of our experiences with the putter, not, not the least of which was my first experience really gaming it with Grant Horvat. And, you know, I, th- I sank a putter, I sank a putt or two. When you sank a number of putts, I was actually watching that video back the other day. Yeah. I completely forgot, but I just caddied for you randomly for one hole. Like, like no no explanation in the video. There's just one hole where I'm just carrying the bag. It just happened. Oh, what a good time, man. Yeah, well, anyway, excited to deliver what I think is one of the better pods we've done. Sam is a really interesting guy. He talks about the origin of the, you know, the convergence of his experiences, you know, restaurant and bars, loving golf, scratch golfer, finding the key to his game through this kind of crazy-looking putter. And then sort of does a, a major shift in his life in terms of building out the engine that would become Lab Golf Line Angle Balance. So, without further ado, sorry to interrupt, folks. So sorry to interrupt. We have something very urgent to get across to you. It is the hottest information we could get over to you right now. In fact, it's almost a thousand degrees. It's your daily deep dish. <laughs> I mean, if you like pizza. And you can't say you don't because I know you do. Um, you should check out Uni. That's O-O-N-I dot com. You can cook a pizza in as little as 60 seconds. I mean, 60 seconds is three times as long as this fucking ad read is going to be. And what's cool about Uni, started in Scotland. You can cook the pizzas with multiple different fuels. You can use wood pellets. You can use gas. You can even use electric and do it inside or outside. This is the adventure of cooking pizza. You can also make more than pizza, though, in case you thought that was where it ended. You can cook burgers, juicy burgers, I might add. Fajitas, sizzling fajitas, I might add. Wings, buffalo wings, I might add. I've had a New York strip cooked in this bad boy because they also have cast iron cookware, thermometers, and tons of other accessories to help you level up your cooking game. Cooking game, rather. Not grain. What is a grain? 
a graham of it's, pizza. It's probably like the Spanish, Scottish word for... Spottish. We are it's, fried. We're affected. We're fried. We're getting on thing. a plane in two days, guys. We're getting on a plane. We're going to Hawaii. And you know what we're going to do there? We're going to eat some fucking pizza. We're going to fucking podcast as Listen, gonna do there. listen. Uni, guys, just, just last thing I'm going to say, ooni.com. It's not just an oven. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> and you think it sounds ridiculous, but when you have people over and you're flipping the dough like Emiliano, you get a lot of respect. You, you show up with this oven. Here's the thing. Bring this oven to the game. Buy this oven a seat. Cook a pizza on a plane. See what happens. Uni.com. See what happens. Here's an interesting thing we've been talking about recently, which is this idea that um, you know there are manufacturers that make products, specifically golf products. And what they do when they give that product to another company to sell on their behalf, for example, a retailer, is they give them an MSRP, which is a manufacturer's suggested retail price. Now, here's the cool thing. There are these new golf clubs starting up that are able to sell these products at less than MSRP. And the way they do that is by functioning like a club. For example, in this case, Dollar Driver Club, where you not only have the chance to get drivers, you can get wedges and irons and all sorts of other golf equipment. So please head over to the link in description to check out the crazy deals they have. If you sign up for their email list, you'll get a taste of the prices that you can acquire if you decide to join their club. There's got all different types of plans. You can get a fully spec'd out driver and basically return it every year, or you can get irons spec'd out for you. There's a lot of different options at the Dollar Driver Club. It's a really cool program, Austin-based. You may have heard the pod we did with Tyler, who is the founder, friend and family of those that trudge the road of happy destiny on the golf course. The guy loves golf, and I love what he's made over here at Dollar Driver Club. So please head over to Dollar Driver Club or get the link in the description below and sign up for their email list to check out the crazy deal they have going on now. Would you rather be smart or kind? Smart. Interesting. Yeah. I never hear anyone answer that way. Everyone always says kind, I think. I think they feel like they have to. Yeah, because they have to. Sam doesn't fucking give a fuck. Um, I think that unwarranted niceness is like hugely overrated. And uh, I don't know. I guess like you, you you can be so like, are you not kind if you're smart in this? Let me scenario? ask the question in a different way. Yeah. Would you rather have your child be kind or successful? Again, why do they have to be mutually exclusive? Because <laughs> that's the fucking framework of the question. <sighs> this is, this. Um, by the way, this question, just so you get one peek into my brain, this is a New York Times article that came out like four years ago, and it's called 36 Questions That Lead to Love. So these are 36 questions that you can ask, discuss with a partner, and ultimately find out if you're, you know, on the same page. I mean, successful or kind. Can we define success further? Um, success Strictly is, fiscal, fiscally? Well, this is your child. So it's probably, let's say it's more successful than you. Fiscally? Yes. Only fiscally. That's the only way we measure success around here. Fair enough. Uh, no, kind. I mean, yeah. You know. Kind. Yeah. Oh, interesting. The question has a different answer. Well, and I would consider changing my answer the first time around too, because kind can't produce 
what smart can, but smart can produce kind. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, to, to like reinforce your initial question about mutual exclusivity, Buddhists would say, you know, there's two main focuses here, wisdom and compassion. Right. And the thinking is that where there is great compassion, there's wisdom. And where there's great wisdom, there's compassion. 100%. So they are okay. not mutually exclusive. <clears throat> the test has been passed. Uh, this is a podcast yes. with Sam Hahn, Sam Gordon Hahn of Lab Putters. Lab Golf. Lab Golf. Sorry. It's all right. I mean, I like Lab Golf. really opens you up to, you could uh, you could start building golf carts that are lying down. That's allowance. actually the plan, and that's <laughs> specifically what I wanted to talk to you about today, Eric. <laughs> um, we've, had, uh, we've had a great day together at Bandon. We've been working together for the last year. I've been using the putter. I love it. Um, but I think really what I, what stands out to me most is you as a person, um, you stand out from the golf industry at large. And I think one of my favorite things I heard you say was you were, you were essentially, um, uh, maybe you were taking a shot at Scotty Cameron. Oh, I hope not. What did I say? You were, am I wrong? Did I, did I, am I misquoting this? What was the shot? I mean, the shot was that the putter's inferior. Oh, well, that's that's uh, that's factual. But um, the, but he, you know, you were I was saying you were a fan and you I'm a like huge him, fan. I'm a huge fan. At the same time, it's 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 and this is where I go with like. It's just science. A hundred percent. It's just science. I would it would surprise me if he disagreed. Um, but that's and that and that's not what he does. I mean, that's not his shtick. His shtick is craftsmanship, and um, you know, he's a really, really special guy. And what he did for the industry was incredibly special. And what I think a lot of people um, today aren't as uh, present with now that there's the Tyson Lambs and the Olsons and all these people that make these like super fancy answers, is that like. I don't want to say anybody can do it, but it is much more possible for you, Eric, to have, you know, a, a thought in your mind about how you would like to shape an answer style putter a little better. Do a CAD drawing, feed it to a CNC machine and it shits out a putter. When Scotty was doing what he was doing, like he was milling these things on a single axis Bridgeport mill. Like that takes unbelievable talent, like yeah. incredible talent. Um, and then... Uh, I have it in my head. It wasn't necessarily by design or intention, but the the path that he followed and the way that he um, sort of organically developed, reinvented the way that golf clubs are marketed, um, you know, was a gift to the industry. Yeah. yeah. But yes, inferior. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> And I actually like it, all his sciencey shit. Like, like the, my favorite putter that he ever made by far was uh, the original Futura. Yeah, you know, with the the holes down the middle, and it, that it that. looks kind of similar to a lab in some ways. Yeah, we, oh, we could balance that thing in a heartbeat. That'd yeah. be kind of sick. Yeah, what if you did like you know because Patagonia has a thing where if you go into the store, they'll fix your jacket no matter the brand. <laughs> is that real? I love that you'll balance putters. Yeah, you'll you, yeah yeah if you go into any Patagonia store because their mission is sustainability. So they're, they're real. Can they deal with zippers? They will fix your jacket, no matter what's wrong with it, because they don't want you to need to buy a new jacket. It's nice of them. They want you to be able to use the old one. They'll patch it. They'll, they'll fix the zipper. Whatever you got to do. They're kind of a model corporation, aren't they? 
Yeah, it is really. I mean, they are like number one on the list of brands that people feel good about. Yeah. And, um, you know, it wasn't about the money. Anyway, what's interesting is, you know, you could you could do that. You could you could take other people's putters and triangle balance them. People have asked, yeah. In theory, well, you start, that'd be cool. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Fuck it, don't do that. <laughs> it's a idea. Um, okay, so Sam Hahn, Sam Gordon Hahn, birthday of February fourteenth, also nineteen eighty one. Yes, amazing. Yeah, I am uh, not, uh, eleven days older than you, and it shows. <laughs> it, it does not show. <laughs> it does not show. Um, you, uh, I, I want the three minute life story, please, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, I was born and raised in the North Shore, of Chicago. First of all, if you're listening to this, yes, I just want—I can't paint a picture of you. Just, yeah, he's going to describe you. Yeah, just, but while you're listening, if you're if you're driving, and you're trying to picture watching. Sam. Yeah. I'm going to do it right now. Ready? Okay. Waffle, like kind of like you're like a hipster, but you're also like you definitely hate hipsters. You're kind of more like a <laughs> you're like a factual. You like you live in Oregon, but not in Portland. Eugene, which is like if you haven't been to Eugene, it's like kind of happening, but it's also more like what's happening. And it's a it's a cool spot. I love Nailing it. Nailing it. Yeah. And um, but you know, we've got like kind of Buddy Holly esque, not Ray Bans, but like similar to Ray Ban. No, they are actual Ray Bans. They are Ray Bans. Oh yeah. wow, I couldn't see it on the side. Yeah. Um glasses. I think a wool a, an olive wool flat brimmed lab hat, probably I don't know what brand that is. Did you make it yourself or is that a our our new soft goods guy just got these in? I actually was wearing this thinking I, I wore this specifically because this felt like a very Eric Anders Lang. It is. Hat. I love it. Yeah. It is a great hat. Uh, kind of like curly black hair coming out the sides of the hat. You remind me. Uh, <laughs> you, I can take it. I know I you know Nardwar. I remind, I remind people of everyone. You know Nardwar. No. You don't <laughs> know Nardwar. Not a lot of people listening to the show are going to know who Nardwar is. But uh, we can put it in. And you'll be like, Yeah. I am that man. I have a lot of doppelgangers. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a good thing. Every time I do like a video or something. Um, so I, I'm a Jewish guy and uh, <laughs> some, some of the, you know, stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. And it's hilarious. People unknowingly do this, but a hundred percent of all of the people that I am compared to, like you know, that guy looks like are Jewish. <laughs> people are just and they, have, and they don't, and they don't even know that the, that the people they're talking about right. are Jewish. It's right. like you know, that guy looks like Michael Richards or Rick Moranis or yeah. um, Jeff Goldblum. I like because he's a stud. Goldblum but, is a stud. Um, he's got swagger. Yeah, absolutely. And you have swagger too. Well, thank you. Um, on the golf course, you know, a couple memories I have of you visually. First time we ever had a video call, your fingernails were painted black. Yeah. And that right, so you're probably into like punk or ska or some something that most people would find hard to listen to. You enjoy, and no, nah, not quite. I mean, I, I I appreciate all forms of music. As I was telling you guys before this all started, I've been in the music business a really long yes. time. The nails were painted just because I had uh, just taken an awesome trip to New York with my daughter, and we went and got a manicure. Oh, that's so um, funny! I yeah. thought it was like part of you. Like I thought I used it... to paint my nails all the time when okay. I was younger. Right. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Um, but no, I'm more of like a funk swing kind of guy. Okay, cool. Um, showed up at Bannon yesterday. Had a fresh pair of pink pants. Turns out they were like teched thermal oh, Nike yeah. pants. Really good. Amazing. Um, great, great golf swing. Looking at you with a wedge in your hand was like satisfying for me um, and the driver for that matter. But uh, okay, anyway. And and obviously now you're going to do your life story, which I'm really curious to hear about because the, not a lot of people in the golf industry like you. And I think uh, that's inspiring. 
You say not a lot of people like me? Not a lot of people like you in the golf oh, industry. Oh, are like me. I thought you said the same thing. Yeah, I thought I, you were I was, like... I was curious. You know, what not you a lot of people enjoy you as a human being, and I think that's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> now go. Oh, life, my God. Life story. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I just, I just kind of want to hear more about what it's like to be a generally disliked human being, you know? Word like, on the street is uh, <laughs> most people dislike Sam. Um, it's like, fuck, let's just let's, get right into let's, it. Let's, let's see him. Uh, care to comment? <laughs> not a lot of people like you. Um, no, there are not a lot of people similar to you. In do, the industry, I do tend to stand out, and it's because I didn't. Uh, I arrived at the industry in a very, very different way. So um, I knew how to play when I was young. Or yeah, life story. So yeah, grew up in Chicago. Um, very, very poor student. Barely graduated high school. Um, got into music when I was um, like a freshman. Um, played in a high school band. Uh, when I was done with high school, um, started traveling around the country playing music. Um, <clears throat> Uh, landed in Eugene, met some folks there, started a band, toured around the country a couple times. Um, and then I got into booking bands and booking music, started a little talent agency. Um, and when I was younger, my dad had taught me how to play, but I didn't really get into it. I always enjoyed the game, um, but never, you know, didn't take many lessons or anything like that. And when I arrived in Eugene, I had my folks send me my clubs. I think I was 21 20, something like that. And I couldn't really break 90. Um, and then um, I was at Laurelwood Golf Course, which is the Muni in Eugene. It's a nine hole. Um, it's awesome golf course. Really, really pretty. Tiny little greens, lots of undulations, um, crazy elevation changes. And I met like, a, I mean, I mean, part of my aversion to golf was that, you know, like what you're just saying is like, I don't necessarily fit the golfing mold. So I never felt comfortable at country clubs. I never felt comfortable around golf culture in general, but at a little shitty nine hole Muni in Eugene, I found my people, you know, and, um, uh, I found like-minded golfers and, um, one of them in particular was really good. And I'd never really played with a, with a good player. He and I became fast friends. Um, and I was a scratch player like two years later. And, um, became completely obsessed with the game a net in the garage and i used to watch i was talking about this the other day i used to religiously watch every single pga tour tournament and um uh and thursday and friday was actually my favorite because it was the most educational because you watch guys play shitty and you watch guys how you know how they handle like it doesn't really teach you much to watch you know tiger shoot 63 on sunday because we can't do that but uh you know watching some dudes spray it all over the golf course and seeing how they recover i learned a lot so yeah i watched a bunch of golf um took some lessons um really 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 got into it um and then even uh, and then when i was um 25 uh i had my daughter and i decided that i i needed to you know like get like a real job and golf was the only thing outside of music that i knew anything about and uh so i uh technically turned professional um for about 19 minutes taught um taught you know a few lessons and realized like oh most people don't actually want to get better at golf they just want to be better at golf and um that's a fascinating description totally i mean most people you know none of my students would practice none of you know like it, it just sucked so uh that was very very short-lived um 
got back into the music business, actually ended up opening up a bar. Um, and all this stuff just let me tons of time during the day to play and um, to really get into it. And I'm like super into it, like in a, in a almost religious, certainly obsessive and addictive way. Um, and that hasn't stopped since I've been in the business. And then, uh, to get into lab, I was, um, so I was a good player, but, um, comically poor putter. And, um, uh, I had a bazillion putters and then Bob Duncan, um, who's a teaching pro around here. He's up in Bend now, uh, introduced me to the, the Reno, which was the, the, what is now the directed force. Um, and uh blew my mind um i was a i was a like a one when i first got it and i was a plus three and a half six weeks later which is the lowest i've ever been still um and it was all based on putting i wasn't even hitting the ball particularly well at the time and then the head fell off the putter and uh so i had to send it back the inventor of the putter is a guy named Bill Pressey. Um, and he was in Reno. He called, we became really fast friends. And then, um, about two months later, he was about to close the doors and just struggling with his, you know, he, you know, he's, he's a genius inventor and master club builder and all that, but you know, getting a business going is a different thing. So, um, I partnered with him and the rest is history. So, okay. So when did you first hold the Reno? The Reno, two thousand seventeen. The Reno. Why did Why did Bill name it Reno? That's where he was from. That's where it was invented. It was just from his home because Reno has to me this a lot of connotations. You know, sort of gambling. Sounds class. like gambling, which you don't gambling. want to do on the green. Kind of like you're losing if you're in Reno a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't sound like you're putting it's like, well. Like, like B list car dealers. Yeah, and, and the Reno tagline is the biggest little city in the world yeah. in the world biggest little yeah. city in the world and i've been it's and it's and it is i don't know if it's any of those things no it's not but it's certainly fucking interesting it, it was I actually played at carson city oh yeah a golf club on the way in yeah Rio. yeah yeah 10 or 12 years ago i was driving by and i was one of those like oh golf play it pull in play it i find it absolutely miserable and it was it was yeah w- the course it was a no, just Reno. Reno. Yeah, okay. I mean, just yeah. brutal. Bill's home state. Yeah, and, Bill's home state. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, the traveling there sucked. And um, and then when we decided to move the Bill at, at a, a couple of years later, um, you know, he'd been at it five six years already, and he yeah. was ready to. And not he wasn't be selling them. He couldn't sell the Reno. Honestly, didn't even like get to the point where he had the opportunity, like really? the manufacturing and stuff. Yeah, they were they it, were yeah. tough. I mean, he, you know, they they was brilliant the way that they did everything, but like figuring this stuff out on the fly is really really hard, and you need a lot of money, and um, you know, and they were manufacturing a product that had never been made before. So yeah, it's totally unusual. Yeah, but yeah. you saw it and you were like, let's gamble on this. Oh. Fuck yeah, dude! Let's, good, let's, right? um, let's Reno on this thing. Let's Reno let's this like, shit. Let's make uh, this the biggest little city in the country. Let's make this the biggest, biggest putter in the world. Um, yeah, uh, no, the whole thing. It it was so obvious to me, and it's so. I was um, recently just kind of like thinking about this. Like, I, I legit thought, you know, with no background in this at all. I legit thought that my experience that I'd had with the putter was going to be universal, 
you know, and instantaneous. Like right. I actually assumed that this was like a no brainer. We were going to invest money. We were going to take this putter out to the PGA tour. Three guys were going to grab it. They were going to win that week. Callaway was going to call me and, you know, write me a big ass check and yeah. I get to go play golf. It would and be like a, like a three month thing. I mean, really, <laughs> re- in, in my One mind, season. I think, I think I actually, I think I actually thought two years. I think I actually like legitimately thought two years later that we would be getting like, <laughs> fuck you money and that it would be on. So and, at what point, so this is in 2017. So at what point was there a point where you were like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Uh, it was the 16th hole on Saturday at the masters in 2019. And, um, uh, so what was that when he broke his putter? No, wait, what, what happened on the 16th on Saturday in 2019? Adam Scott missed a yeah. 16 inch putt with a directed force. Oh, he was playing it all the way back then. So he was the, like the first major adopter. The first, the fir- first success we had on tour was actually Vaughn Taylor. Um, like and Taylor. dude, he's Pebble beach. Right? That was his big one. He wanted Pebble. Pebble yeah. He, he's, so a, he's a Georgia guy. My brother's actually friends with him. He's such a nice man and was so cool with us. And like of, of the first kind of relationships that you could have with a tour player, I I couldn't have picked a better guy or, you know, I mean, he, he was so, so, so nice. Um, and had success with it. He was, he was about to lose his card in at the Barracuda, got the putter that week in Reno, no less. Yeah. And, um, got the putter that Tuesday, um, and ended up finishing third and kept his card. And he needed a, I think he needed a top five that week. And Did you by any chance like let him use the putter in exchange for a share of winnings? I did not. That would have been a good that call. That would have been I mean, I don't really know if it would have been a good call, call in the end. I, my, but he got my, his gu- my guess is he probably would not have done that. <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah. Um that would have been a so anyway, Adam yeah, Adam gets the putter. Um And how through, does Adam get the the putter? Mm, how does that happen? So about a month after we closed on the company, um, we saw an Instagram post uh, from Kelly Slater, the surfer, and he had uh, he'd been using the putter and just out of nowhere made a post about it. We saw the post, got in and touch. It, with at him. this point, it's called Lab. Uh, internally, yes, the world did not know that it was Lab yet, but like right around what did the world was, think it was Directed Force was the was the name oh, of the was the name of the company. I see. Okay, um, and uh, so. Kelly ends up playing with Adam in the AT&T. Um, this is 2019. Uh, fills it up. Outputted everybody in the group, including Adam. Um, Adam calls. Kelly putted. Kelly, Kelly Slater, everyone. a like, surfer. Dude, he's a phenomenal player. Sure, he's he's better than scratch, but like still he putted better than pros. By a lot. Wow. And I bet you now he probably still putts better. I bet you if he was actually on tour, I would... That money says that he finishes the season in top fifty in putting. In putting, yes, right. he's an awesome putter and an incredible player. In the in the like, he's a true scratch player. He can shoot par at any golf course in the world at any time, and he's you know I I, I, I Prove love, it. I love playing <laughs> with him. <laughs> breaking breaking. Um, I love playing with him too, and I was so surprised when I got to know him. Like you think like surfer, you know, chill ass guy and whatever. Like he is very regimented incredibly deliberate and like very calculated about everything golf and interesting um has designed a game that can go anywhere anyway so he gets a he gets it um fills up the hole adam calls me the next week at riviera 
Um, he actually almost won that week, not with our putter, um, and then started using it the following week at the Honda. Um, played well at the Honda, actually had a chance to win the players with it. Um, this must be news. Oh, big time. Yeah. 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 As far as like in the golf world yeah, and everything, like, absolutely. You're yeah. selling putters right now. Um, ish. Like it didn't have as much traction as you might think. Interesting. Um, Why? Because you got to get on TV, you know, like. People want to see you make a putt in, in a clutch moment. Or what do you mean? Or, you or even just see it, you know, like if you're finishing 17th at the players, you're not actually on TV. True. Okay. Good point. Right. Okay. Got so it, got it, got the it. only people that were picking up on it at this point was like off WRX. You and, need W's. And, yeah. You need W's. You need camera time. You, you, you need someone stuff. to make a putt on 18 and hold that shit up. You don't even need that much. Like, I mean, we, we get, we get spikes when <clears throat> like we had a noticeable spike when Ryan Palmer was playing well with it at the, um, the two man event. Yeah. And yeah. That I know what you mean. Um, you know, so uh, it just depends. Um, but yeah, so he wasn't really getting on TV, but the WRX crowd, the golf nerds, they were picking up on it for sure. Um, and then comes a ma- now. Now it's master's time. So it's 2019. I'm at the helm of lab golf for 18 months now. And, you Bill's know, gone. Uh, no, he's still, no, Bill, Bill was a huge part of the, the whole Adam, a, Bill's who fit Adam and oh, okay. got him all dialed and everything. And, but at um, this point, your relationship had changed where you were, you had, you had like exclusive charge of like figuring out what you're going to do. Oh, as soon as I partnered with Bill. Okay. Yeah. He was, okay. um, yeah, his job was basically I sell him, he makes him. Cool. Um, that was kind of the, um, and it was, I mean, basically just the two of us at that point, we had a couple, wow. we had two builders, I think. Um, something like that. Um, no, so no, he was, uh, very much in, involved daily and he was handling a lot of the tour stuff. And, um, and then, uh, so master's time and everything at this point is completely by design, right? Because I thought two years shit's going to blow up and yeah. everybody's going to know about this putter and that'll be that Adam's leading the masters through two days. I'm getting dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of texts, um, you know, phones just absolutely blowing up. So exciting. We're selling putters. Other the tour search. players want to try it. Yeah. So this is two days at the Masters. So for Thursday, Friday, he's tied for the lead. Um, Saturday comes around. And at the time he was traveling with three putters. He had a broom, he had an arm lock, and he had our conventional length directed force putter. Um, and he had it in his head that, you know, different, different, uh, uh, conditions were better with different putters and so on and so forth. So he, um, he, he somebody tells him it's going to rain Saturday. So he had it in his head that he putted better with the arm lock when it rains. So goes into the locker, grabs the arm lock, spends, you know, half hour dialing in the arm lock, which is a very, very different setup. You got all that shaft lean and the ball position is very different. Um, and then right at the last minute um, has his caddy go, go back to the locker and grab the, the lab, but he didn't adjust his, any of his setup stuff. And so like, I have a picture of it, like from Friday to Saturday, the ball moved back like literally six inches. Um, and lo and behold, he was putting a terrible roll on it, missing everything to the right. And, um, and then, you know, they're still following him and then he misses, um, he got absolutely fucked on a roar on 16, like tiger made something behind him and he's just, it, it was like a tap in and misses it. And then my phone stopped ringing <laughs> Whoa. like absolute fucking crickets. And so, you know, the original question was at what point did you realize that that wasn't going to be the case? That was the moment that we realized that I realized that we needed to not rely on the tour. 
and that we needed to to build the brand um and and you know not basically gear our business towards catching a lucky break but rather explaining the technology educating the consumer on how putters actually work explaining the bullshit that they've been sold about you know different torque profiles and toe hang and face balance and all that stuff and we needed to make it about our customers instead of about the tour and that was when um our whole marketing message changed and um, the whole intent of the company. And frankly, that was when my real passion for putting began. Um, because if I was going to educate, you know, the consumers, uh, I needed to be an expert. And sure, I was putting pretty good at the time, but like, I didn't know shit about shit. And um, so that was when, you know, the real deep dive into understanding what makes a ball go in the hole faster um, began. And, uh, and the message, you know, like the, the, the clearest tagline of what we're trying to accomplish, you know, of the half a dozen different taglines we have is you're a better putter than you think. And, um, that's it. It's about you. It's about you unlocking your potential as a putter and putting's really, really hard because, um, in no small part, because pre-lab, the instrument is fighting you. So people, you know, putting is particularly difficult for people that are like super coordinated, people that are like awesome at pool and awesome at darts and, you know, good at throwing a ball and accurate with their fingertips, um, struggle with putting. And it's because in any of those sports, you're not fighting the instrument. The instrument's doing what it's designed to do. You know, you don't throw a dart with miss, with a missing fletching and, you know, pool cues are not crooked. And, um, so, you know, you get to be an athlete and react to a target. A lab does much of the same thing. It allows you, you know, there's still elements of the instrument that you need to fight. You can't let it just fall. You have to keep the shaft on an inclined plane. Um, but managing a face of trying to twist all of a sudden makes it very difficult to just react to a target rather than um, you know, sitting there needing to manipulate your hands to make this thing do what you're trying to get it to do. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about physics, there's laws and these other tools you're, you're saying, and I believe in my experience now I've had the putter for a year, right. Is that these other putters are like literally making it harder to perform 100%. the act you want to perform because they're because they're not supporting the laws of physics that you have to obey 100 percent. it's fascinating notice this yesterday I, huh, rent, I rented clubs so i used a mallet and i used a i mean i used a tight tailor-made spider and you've been using a lab yeah link yeah for a little have while. you have you messed around with a with a non-lab putter since you got your lab don't do no, it. I don't, I don't even. It's they. It, it, actually, it feels like a snake. It's it like literally, it's incredible. I went to hit a putt, and it was about it was just like an eight footer, and the face of my putter was at a noticeable turned in angle yeah. when I putted, and it just went the other way. And I, I was, I just, it took me like twelve holes before I could get a putt to go straight. Yeah, no, it's, noticeably, it's the worst. The, so we had recently had, um, I've got a kid that works for us in QC, um, and. He's not a golfer and part of the QC process, you gotta hit some putts and make sure that, you know, the putter sounds okay and no rattles and nothing. And um, so he's like developed a putting stroke and um, 
Lab's the only putter he's ever hit in his life. And then the other day, somebody handed him a spider. And he was like, what the fuck? Like, you know, so so somebody who'd never known anything besides Lab and how they swing, like, he he was absolutely dumbfounded that, you know, that it was possible that people, you know, use anything other than these labs. And it's real. Like, anytime I, I can putt okay with conventional putters, um, uh, especially because all the time I've spent with the revealer, where I now understand what the different torque profiles are actually trying to do, which, by the way, has no resemblance to what the industry tells you it does, like, you know, toe hang. You know, there's this narrative about toe flow that the the toe is actually swinging this way. It literally does the exact opposite. Yeah, so why was mine pulling? Because of how you personally were. So, so there are no conventional putters from a torque profile perspective that are trying to shut, like in our revealer, um, except other, interestingly, other toe up putters. So like um, Odyssey Backstrike, Axis One, um, Adele's Torque Balance Line. Um, so a heel balance putter. Correct. So those in my revealer, um, in our revealer, they are going to, they open on the takeaway and then right in transition, they shut. Um, so those are the only ones that that pull. However, we react to the instrument. We react to the things that we're using. We're reacting to the feelings that we have. And so if you were playing, you know, if, was, was it a, e- either way, both face balance and toe hang are both trying to open through impact. Um, toe hang a bit more aggressively than so face I'm, balance. So I'm feeling it. And then I'm snapping and then you it. React to it. Yeah. So I, I have an interesting. Or was it? Do you know? Do you know if it was face balance or or toe hang? I think it was toe hang. So a toe hang putter is trying to shut on the way back. So it's trying to go heel first when you take it away. So there's also a chance that it went heel first and you just left it there. Yeah, and and especially since I'm playing a link, like I'm really focusing on that straight back, straightforward stroke. Yeah. The link is the answer style putter, I guess, that yes. you make. And then there's the the Mez yep. 1 and 2, which looks more like a fang or something. I don't know. And then there's the Directed Force, which is the original model that looks like a... It's the, it's the logo on your hat, but it looks kind of like a heart with a line on the, on the tip. Right. And I've only used that one primarily because I want to just... I, I, for some... Sometimes I feel like too much variety early on. It's like almost like I don't have any takeaway, right? So I'm just trying to just use that one, and I and I like it. I have no problem with it's it. It's the no, best putter in the world. So there you go. It, so so I just want to call back to memory here. Um, I'm sure you did this. I'm sure you had this little thing. Do you remember when Ping came out with the clip that went on your putter, and there was an app that your phone oh, yeah. could download, yeah. and you could see, you could gain insights into your own putting stroke. <laughs> fucking hate that thing yeah but did you hate it then no well yes because it didn't line up with my experience yeah at all because it was it was attempting to use its own telemetry or whatever to understand your or accelerometer to figure out what type of putting stroke you had which you would say is completely false it's completely false and the algorithm that they used to generate the answer you know what putter you should be using the answer with a w yes not yeah and swore um, uh, I have never, I have literally scoured the earth to find the study that suggests that somebody with a deeper arc 
to their putting stroke is going to perform better with a putter that has toe hang. I've never seen it. All I've heard is that it exists. So that algorithm in that app on the, on the ping thing, they just plugged in the algorithm and they're like, buy this putter. And and (laughs) right. Just like it, it, as far as I can tell, it was a marketing play, which is weird because like, I know the dude that, that does a lot of their testing. He's like one of the smartest people in golf. His name is Sasha McKenzie. Um, and he's done, he's done a bunch of biomac testing, but I've still never actually seen proof that universally people with gait and arc do better with towing. And my experience is that I've seen suggest there isn't really a correlation. Yeah. And if anything, it kind of seems the opposite. You know, you know, Sam, I have been down this rabbit hole. Like I, I had that ping thing and I remember I was using it all the time and I was like really trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And I remember my first putter was an answer. I got it at a thrift store or whatever. And I've had 15 putters since then. And, um, you know, I, I remember Jim Furyk. He had a backwards hat. It was the FedEx Cup. It was a yes putter. Like, it was awesome. I got one. I loved it. I got an even roll. I got an Edel. I had. I got a Scotty on eBay. Like, it didn't fucking fit. I then put a fat grip well, on it. And it I was did like. did for a couple of days, right? It all, they all work for a couple they days. They all work for a couple of days. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And like, and what's so funny is, um, here's what's really funny. Just going through the psychology of everything here. Like, I had been down the rabbit hole, you know what I mean? And, and I really wanted to know like everything about my own putting stroke and how I could get better and everything. Da, da, da. And then at some point I just gave up. Right. And you know, my, my lab story is that I gave up and I got, I, you know, it's just a quick little funny, weird story. Like some guy hit me up on Instagram. and was like, Hey, I work for Edel. I'd like to give you a putter. And I was like, great. Like, he's like, I'll give you a full putter fitting mirror on the face laser hit the balls the whole thing the way he's doing screwing the weights and two hours later i'm now making a fool of myself on the putting green because everyone's like what's does this guy have like putting cancer you know like what's wrong with him (laughs) you know what i mean and i'm just like you know and he's like well uh, no us and he's the, the lasers and then we do the whole thing and then he's like all right this is the putter for you and i was like okay cool and and um putter fittings are irrelevant for neurotics and it was a two, two or three hour process. And then he shows me the bill and I was like, that's a $300 putter. You know, it's like, okay. And he's like, well, you can get your initials on it. I was like, okay, cool. I had that putter and then I lost it at stream song oh, God. <laughs> on the, on the walk to the par three, you know, the bridge. I've never been there. Oh, there's a, there's a bridge. My caddy was handing me the putter and it, and it fell into the lake. Like and, Excalibur. Yeah, I mean, it was literally just like, what? And I looked at the caddy and I was like, what? Oh my like God. Like a muddy ass lake, like gators. Like, no, you're not going. Nobody's going in there. No one's going in there. And I was just like, my putter's just gone. Like, it was just like, and by the way, it's like, the lake is like two inches below the bridge. It's like, not even dramatic. It didn't, <laughs> it didn't make a noise when it fell. It, wasn't, it didn't splash. <laughs> yeah. It was just like... It was literally like a Buddhist fable about something <laughs> disappearing from existence. And then I was just like, what? So then I called Edel and I was like, hey, can you guys just make me a new putter? Like, come on. Like, right. I'll post about it. Just give me a free putter. You know what I mean? And they were like, ah, we'll see. And I was like, ah, fuck it. They gave me a putter. And then that one also disappeared because someone stole my clubs out of my car. Oh, God. And then I was just like, I guess I'm just meant to have a putter 
or whatever. Like my life is just like fucked with the putter. I now putt with a wedge. Yeah, putt with a wedge or whatever. And then um, and then I had an even roll. Uh, I tried one at spec. They fit me the whole thing again, and I made ten in a row from. Curious 10 feet. was the 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 neck and basic kind of torque configuration the same as your Adele? There was no, um, no, it was slightly different. I mean, right. it was a, it was answer style. There was no offset on the shaft. On the Adele or the even roll? The even roll. Okay. And it was a very heavy head. Okay. Much heavier than the Adele. The Adele was also very heavy though. And I actually, on the Adele, I had to put sand in the shaft because I just wanted that thing heavy as hell. Right. Because for me, I don't know why, whatever. Awareness. I mean, he- heavy putters make, make for awareness. Yeah. So anyway, then I had the even roll for a few years and it was okay. And then all of a sudden I'm on a putting green with my friend and he pulls out this thing. And I was like, and of course I did what every golfer does when you see someone with a weird yeah, I got to try that. No. Oh. You make fun of him first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you do first before you ask him right. to try Yeah, it. I mean, you know, we mock what we don't understand. <laughs> of course. It's a quote from Spies Like Us, you know, yeah, like, like I was just like, what are you doing with that thing, man? Like, and and of, and of course, it's Landon, by the way. Like, yeah, I mean, it's Landon, but like, he's got like all all the toys. So you're like, yeah, I mean, he's a bit of a tweaker. He's got all the weird clubs, you know. He's got a one iron. He's tweaker, not like methy. Yeah, not nah, not nah meth, not nah meth. Just just like golf, mostly. Right. Yeah, <laughs> we out here. Um, and and you know, like, but it was just so funny. Just the just the just the quality of that first interaction I had with the putter, where I was just like, you know, my head, it was like, what's wrong with your putting? Right. Yeah. You know but, what I mean? I mean, this is, it's, it's the same mentality that's kept the directed force from taking off on tour. Exactly. They're no different. And it's kind of like, um, you know, because we live in a society that's so unwilling to admit any type of weakness or lack of knowledge. And so you immediately go to this thing. I immediately went to this thing where I was like, what's, what's wrong with your putting, bro? Right. Like, are you that bad that you need to carry that thing around? Right. And um, he goes, you should try it. And I think I hit three putts and I was like, do you know the people that made this? And he said, yes. And I was like, I want to talk to them because I was curious. And I just wanted to, I don't know if you've heard that full story. Oh, but I've heard like, it. And, I, yeah. and I, I'm actually quite proud of myself because I ended up meeting him through a friend of a friend. And it was a very random afternoon that we ended up even playing together. He knew about us. Like he knew who we were. He'd seen us on Instagram. Um, and then when he told me what he did for you, um, I, I, as an act of discipline, I didn't say a fucking word. Like I would, totally, you, would, you know, like the, 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 it certainly would have been an opportunity to be like, oh, can you get him a putter for me? Will you get him a putter? <laughs> yeah. I'll send him one. I'll send him five, whatever he needs. Yeah. Totally just like played it cool. Never even mentioned a single thing about the, you know, possibly sending you a putter. And he called me up two weeks later. He's like, uh, you remember me? And I'm like, yeah, I remember you. And he's like, I work with Eric Lang. I'm like, I know. And he's like, well, Eric wants a putter. And I was like, fuck yeah, he does. Yeah. And I still have it. And I love it. No one's drops it in the water. So I'm curious. It floats so you don't have to worry. It's, <laughs> answer it's, it's, it's a design. We got to go do a break. Let's do a quick commercial. When we get back, I want to hear about, I want to hear more about Bill. All right. We're going to bring in the big guns for this next ad. If you were a ticketed member of the Mad Scramble tour, you got an email from Tyler and you were happy. They got a few, probably. They got a few. <laughs> we were diligent. Tyler, we're reading an ad here for Shopify because Shopify is one of the things that makes our entire business possible. What are your feelings when you think about Shopify? 
Well, it's crazy you said that we were reading an ad because I felt like we were telling a story. <laughs> when, I, uh, when I think of the Bridge of Tirabithia. Whoa. Tirabithia you mean the children's Tirabithia? book? Yeah, I don't really. Isn't I'm not that too, about like a friend who died? I'll be real. I'm not really too uh, familiar with the story of the Bridge of Terabithia, but when I think of that bridge, um, I think of Shopify. Interesting parallel here. <laughs> <laughs> I've just always been fascinated by that bridge. And uh, I guess to me, it's been a mystery of unknown. But when I do think of a bridge, um, a lot of bridges, uh, I can't help but think of Shopify, um, you know, connecting us to our members. Well, and, and to go one step further, I'm going to double down on this, right? If the bridge to Terabithia, to this imaginary land where they can forget about their problems and experience friendship, because here's the thing, like we don't make products because they're the best products around. We make them because they mean something and they create friendship. Literally, we've heard stories at events where people are like, yeah, dude, I was wearing an RGC hat and some guy came up to me and now we play golf together, right? And so it's a talking point that creates that bridge of being an individual amongst a group of friends, returning back to your childhood kind of experiences. And I will say, for me, just guessing here, it's been about 40 years since I've read this book, maybe a little less. You can't do it alone. That's facts. That's the theme. 100%. That's the theme, right? Yeah. We can't do it alone. You can't. None of us can do it alone. It really, Shopify is a model of the Buddhist theory, or rather, not even a theory. It's actually just a, you know, uh, not. It's it's just a, it's just a thing. Reality of interconnectedness. Yeah. I um. You know, I have this motto that I like to live by, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it was the ethos of uh, Shopify as a uh, as a company. But it's not the top of the mountain unless we get there together. Ooh. I like that. You go fast alone, you go far together. Coolest thing about Shopify is that it allows you to do something you can't do without them. They've got a Shopify collective where you can learn about other brands and how they're doing, and you can basically grow together. Um, they've got bundles. They've got Shopify magic. Look, there's a lot of things at Shopify. You should know this by now. Go to shopify.com slash E-A-L show because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Bridges that grow are built with Shopify. Thank you, Shopify. All right, folks, prizepicks.com. Um, very excited to talk to you about the largest independent-owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. You know America was uh, named by an Italian. Vespaccio. Amerigo Vespucci. But you know what people don't know about Amerigo Vespucci? <laughs> that they predicted him to go more or less and... <laughs> Everyone was thinking he was going to go less than naming America, but he went more. And luckily, if you were using Daily Fantasy Sports back in the 1300s, you could have potentially taken advantage of a $100 first deposit match from PrizePix, which is available at prizepix.com slash show. And if you use the code show, you'll get what Amerigo Vespucci did not get, which is a first deposit match of up to $100. Please think about it. And don't do what Amerigo did. Prize picks would have paid me an extra $100 after my first deposit match of up to $100. Thank you, Prize Picks, for supporting the podcast. Thank you, JoJo, for taking part in our game. Thank you, Prize Picks, for sending me $200 for winning. So, Bill, so, so I'm curious to know, like, what's Bill's deal and what's his three-minute life story? Like, how did he get to direct it for us? You can't do it in three minutes. Um, <laughs> he is 
the, the easiest way to explain it for people who know these types of folks, Bill is an inventor, like pure inventor. And you can think back to every movie you've ever seen where the inventor is the main character, you know, fucking the honey, I shrunk the kids guy to doc from back to the future. Um, they just live in a different world. They live in a world of creation and, um, and he's that dude and he doesn't ever stop. Like he does absolutely never, ever, ever stops creating. Um, and, um, you know, and he's got, a you know, lying with balance, you know, by far his most, um, certainly impactful invention. Um, but he's got a bunch of stuff and he's had his hand in a bunch of, in, you know, training aids and stuff that you know about. Um, and, uh, so yeah, he's, he's in that space all the time. And, um, he's also been in every single facet of the golf business. Um, he was an equipment rep for TaylorMade. Um, he's a phenomenal instructor. Um, he's, you know, obviously was, you know, in the industry making putters. Um, he's been in pro shops. He's tried his hand at touring, um, a true honest to goodness, just golf, you know, freaking whatever guy. Um, he is the quintessential golf guy. His, um, I will never forget the first time I went to go meet him in Reno. Um, we went to his, uh, played around a golf at, um, at his home course, uh, forget the name of it. Um, and it was a funny round too. Cause like we were, you know, courting and, um, you know, and this is like his baby. This is like the most important thing that he's ever done, you know, is in golf anyway, with this invention. And here's this guy that he doesn't know who wants to come and run a company that, you know, that he started. And, um, so it was a very funny, like, you know, kind of dance we were doing, you know, throughout this round of golf and, um, goes really well, invites me over to his house. Um, and, uh, his yard, like lived in this like nice neighborhood and, um, we go into this house and like, there is not a single corner of the entire house that does not have a golf club. Like every single room, just golf clubs, floor to ceiling. And, and weird ass ones that you've never seen. And, um, and then we go out to his yard, which had no grass anywhere left in it. And it's just this like desert fuck show of golf balls, like (laughs) thousands and thousands and thousands of golf balls. And like a couple of like misshapen pieces of AstroTurf scattered about to chip off of. So, I mean, this is a tweaker big time like like he's foil on the windows yeah like (laughs) but i'm always fascinated like how is he as a golfer oh he's a wonderful player he's uh he's not a big dude he's like i don't know probably five eight or something like that five seven um and uh has a lovely golf swing super simple you know gets everything out of his game um plays kind of a medium trajectory draw pretty much exclusively um mostly plays in flip-flops and uh, as you can imagine, has an unbelievable short game. He doesn't do with the wedges. He's not particularly fancy with any of the spin. He's one of those guys that's like really, really annoyingly good with the bump and run in not in a basic sense, but like in a, I think if I bounce it off that fucking thing, it'll roll twice and catch the bottom neck of this, Inventor. you know, hill and then get over that way. He just sees shit that you don't see. Absolutely. Um, wow. 
And as you can imagine, he is an unbelievable putter. Really? Like an unbelievable putter. And 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 like me, he was terrible. I mean, when he when he invented lab, lab you know, lab happened out of desperation. He was um it's tough it's tough to picture. Um so this is pre anchor ban. Um he was Anchor Ban, if you're if you're not familiar, is when the tall putters could be anchored against your chest. Right. And they said, No, you can't do that anymore. So, so Or your now, belly. That was that was the belly. one that was the one they were really trying to that eliminate was, was when Ernie Els won the won a British with the yips. Yeah. And the belly putter, you know, enabled him to to kick some ass. Is so that, is that my phone or might be. Um Oh it is, yeah, sorry. So he was doing something called a tricep lock at the time. So if you can picture it, he's got the shaft runs up his forearm outside the elbow and then was pressed against the outside of his tricep. Wow. And that was legal at the time that was still considered anchored. Yes. It's no longer legal, but at the time it was legal. And, um, as the story goes, he's in his, uh, little build trailer thing that he had out back and he's fucking around with this tricep lock and he just kind of stands up and skin was a little sticky and the shaft kind of stuck to his arm, but he had let go of the putter and he's and the, and the putter flopped open and he was like, well, that isn't right. Like in a static position, a putter doesn't actually want to sit square. Um, and so, Whoa. uh, so then he designed or, or made the first revealer with some fishing wire and a crutch. And he just started, so... Brilliant. He bridged the fishing wire across the crutch and slipped a putter and Hung it. the putter from the fishing wire so that, you know, there was no, anything supporting the, the handle. Right. Um, yeah. And then let the bottom of the putter rest in the, you know, kind of... Yes. The point of the, of the crutch. And he cut off the bottom of the crutch. I don't know what he did. And then he was able to, he was able to putt with a, with a, without it. He wasn't able to putt with putt. anything because he, right. He wasn't holding the putter yeah. and the putter was free to spin on the, its the own. Revealer, so if you're listening is a device that allows you to essentially, uh, manipulate a putter without holding the putter. Imagine like an exoskeleton around the putter where the putter has no friction to twist. Right. And so you make a putting stroke and you immediately see that all con- you know, um, traditional putters, like the putter head whips around like 10 times while you're going through the putt. Right. The lab putter just stays totally steady. And and not to oversimplify it, and we're going to film something about this tomorrow, but why is that so important? Why is what so important? Like why does when you watch that, because you'll, like why does that matter that the putter spins? Because you're holding it. So, oh, sure. Right. Yeah. So, you know, apropos of what we were talking about before, you were asking about your spider and mm-hmm. why you were hooking the spider. Yes, of course. Actually, I'll, I'll tell you a, a very important moment um, that I had in, in kind of the development of, of the brand and the whole thing um, that sort of answers this question. So, um, 20... This might have also been 2019, maybe 2020. Um, no, it could have been 2020. Uh, whenever, doesn't matter. Um, You're like, was I wearing a mask? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was at Bay Hill, and um, at the uh, guy who was at the time a top five player in the world um, had come over and saw a putter that we were making called the B2, which was um, our first blade. It was like a 
chunk of stainless on a stick. It was a very, very, very simple putter. Um, rolled a few with it and really liked it. Um, this guy was working with uh, one of the best putting coaches on the planet um, who also had, at, you know, been pretty complimentary about our technology and he appreciated it at least as another option out there. And he, uh, so he's working with this player. I go up to the coach and I say, you know, Hey, um, this guy's, you know, kind of interested in our B2, put in a good word for us. And he says, unfortunately I can't do that. And I was like, what's up? And he's like, well, first of all, I've tested this guy a million times and he absolutely positively needs a full toe hang putter in order to perform his best. Secondly, I have to say that I find your revealer device a little misleading because it's not as though there's so much torque in a putter that you can't mitigate it simply by putting your hands on the putter. And this guy is, is still one of my heroes, um, like an absolute just putting genius. And this fucked me up bad, like really bad. Um, like yeah. I, I just heard from one of my heroes basically that I was selling snake oil. And, um, it's keeping me up at night and I'm so upset about this. And, um, and it was the first time too, that I'd ever like experienced a lack of confidence in what we were doing and from within yourself. Yeah. And, um, and this shit was just keeping me up at night. And then one night, literally in the middle of the night at three 30 in the morning, I shoot up out of bed and I'm like, wait a second. If you're telling me the torque is so easily mitigated by just putting your hands on the putter, then why does this player positively need a full toe hang putter? Well, you've been fitting for torque the whole time. You've been acknowledging torque and it's and it's and it's relevance in your putting stroke the entire time. That's the whole narrative about putter fitting is which how much toe hang do you need? How much face balance do you yeah. need? The only difference in those is torque. That's what we're fitting for. So you can't say in the same breath that we can just mitigate it simply by putting our hands on the putter. Because if that were the case, there would, we would feel no difference between a face balance putter or a bullseye. Well, and by that logic, what's funny is what's, what's ironic about that whole thing is that he's basically discrediting your whole thesis around the importance of torque or the, or the issue with torque, but yet he needs torque in order to be a putter fitter. That's my, that's my point. That's yeah, exactly. He, he, he torque is the bedrock foundation <laughs> of modern putter fitting. Yeah. And in the same breath, the guy was trying to say, it doesn't really matter. All you gotta do is put your hands on the putter. So Whoa. That did was you, a, did you hit him back with that? Um, so I went back once, uh, and I have, I, I read it probably once a week. I have like a couple pages long email that I wrote to him that I never sent. It's just sitting in my sitting. You in went my, back once and you didn't confront him about the, I did. And then he came back and, he, so, he didn't agree with you. Um, yeah, and it was you know clearly going to be. <laughs> what was the email? Like, what was the gist? Um, it wasn't like mean or anything. Sure, no. um, it sounds like it was like a thesis. Your middle name, yeah, Gordon. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it was a scientific <laughs> abstract. Um, yeah, I was I was trying to to make my point, and um, and you actually read it. Totally. You don't read it once a week, though. That's hyperbole. It's probably a little hyperbole, but I mean, but, I read it a you, bunch because every time it's it's in my it's in my 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 draft your box. Drafts. So every time I'm but like deleting drafts, ago. I see it. And then this I is a couple years up. ago, mm -hmm. but you read it because is that in there? Is that your mo? Kind of is is that like the core spine of lab? Which trying just the torque to, matters. You know what? Whatever comes out when you're trying to convince your hero, an expert in putting. Yes, it was. It was some it, material in there is your hundred percent. Yeah, vision. Your mission. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Dude, this is a movie. I, I, uh, I'll, I'll send you the email. Did you ever see uh, Did you ever see the movie The Founder? Mm-mm. Michael Keaton? Mm-mm. He plays Ray Kroc, the guy who stumbled across a little hamburger shop that was selling too many milkshakes. And he sold milkshake makers at the time. And he came out and he was like, he was like, I want I've came out here just to see why you guys are selling so many milkshakes that you need all these milkshake makers. Cause normally I only sell two or three of these, but you guys need seven. And it was the little tiny hamburger shop in like the fifties called McDonald's yeah. or whatever. And he was like, this is an interesting idea. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. It's an interesting story from a business perspective. Cause anyway, then just to cut to the chase at one point, They've I got, appreciate that you went with that one because the number of times that I get asked in a given week if I've read Shoe Dog makes me a little crazy. Yeah, as an Oregonian, you're either you either have a Phil Knight tattoo or you wear Adidas. Right. <laughs> right, it's one of the two. <laughs> you have to land on one side. Yeah. Um, but and anyway, it's from a business standpoint, it's interesting because at some point Ray Kroc is talking to his, um, you know, his I guess his business partner or so his lawyer or something like that, and and you know um, his. His lawyer says, you know, you don't have a, they had a thousand McDonald's or something. And, uh, and the guy says, you don't have a hamburger company. You have a real estate company. Mm-hmm. And that's when they realized that what they would do is they would buy the land that McDonald's sits on, franchise them. control where it is and yeah. franchise it and then kind of make money on both sides. But anyway, um, not too relevant to butters, but, um, so okay, so we're going back to Bill, there's this question. So so he makes the original revealer with the crutch, right? And 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 so he and starts. What year is this? Thirteen, fourteen. Okay, so like that. relatively modern, right? Like, oh yeah, this is after that little ping app comes out, or For right sure. around that time. But yeah, right in there, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he makes the first revealer out of a crutch, and then he starts putting all of his seven thousand putters in there. Trying to see if there's one out there that would, that would that would stay square by itself. And is Bill the kind of guy that's taking notes, or is he just ripping through stuff? No, ripping. Through he's stuff. just like I, he's like I'll remember. Yeah, 100%. he's like I know what's important. Yes. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, he's not. He doesn't strike me as a guy with like rulers and. You know? No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, Trial like, and error. Yeah. Uh, Very much Christopher uh, Lloyd. Uh, right. Like right. When we yeah. used to. Um, God. when we first started making these things in-house um the the location of the hole that you put the shaft in is like the thing like the cg of the putter head it's not directly in the cg and that's part of the equation um it needs to be located in a very very specific spot and then you have the opportunity with the weights to actually move the cg a little bit so that it you know kind of lines up but location of that hole needs to be like dead on um and we we bought a mill we bought a bridgeport and i you know when we started drilling them in-house versus you know they were getting pre-drilled elsewhere before that and um and the first time i went to the shop in reno um and bill's like showing me the place and showing me how it's all working and whatever and you know and, and he'd been educating me on how the putters work and how the science works and how the equation works and everything and just on and on about the importance of the location of this hole we have a, a, a Bridgeport, I think, from the 60s. Um, How much is this tool you're talking about, this Bridgeport metal? I, I want to say we spent 2500 bucks on it, five grand oh. or something like that. But oh, it's, it's, it's a very small device. No, it's huge. Oh, it's a huge device. It's, it's like it's, a drill press. It's, it's, it's Yeah, it's like a, a giant mill. Okay. Uh, and But it's huge. Like, we, we needed a you know a forklift to... 
to you know get it in there and once it's in it doesn't move but they're old and fucked up and so you can find them kind of cheap and then it's like it's they're the people who have bridgeports are like they're like harley people you right know, where they buy a jacked up harley and the whole idea is yeah, there's a whole milk enjoy community. you know fix, absolutely there's a whole and and, and milling just means drilling a hole into metal milling means cutting metal cutting metal in any way okay didn't know that yeah so mill um, work and so cutting metal work right got it and like milled grind the tailor-made milled grind means that mg a machine actually cutting the stuff versus forging it which is like stamping it mm. we can get into that later yep so um we go down there and he's you know had gone on and on about how important the location of this hole is and i come down and i see this machine that like looks like it's you know <laughs> like was extracted from like a u-boat or something like that yeah. and then um and then he goes to the wall and grabs these wooden blocks and starts plopping them down. And that's how he was like zeroing in on the hole was with Whoa. these wooden blocks. <laughs> anyway, so sorry, that was to, to way too long degree, an explanation to explain that. No, he does not take notes and he does not use rulers. To, to um, what degree of tolerance does the location of the hole need to be? So accurate? at the time, um, probably within three thousandths of an inch, three thousandths of an right. inch. Right. But the, but which the, is a hair. Right. But the problem was, it, it the, the the variance in the hole needed to be dealt with with weight. So if you miss the hole and it's say it's towed over a little bit, we need to move weight elsewhere, um, oh, which so means we fix to a point to okay. a point outside of you know if it's if it's further than and I'm, I'm I am guessing here at three thousands, but. Um, some of them just won't balance. If you miss the hole, they just will not balance. There's nothing you can do. Um, and at the time, with with the looser tolerance, we would get them to balance, but we did so at the expense of swing weight being a complete moving target. So you'd have, you know, two 35 inch, 69 degree putters sitting next to each other, and one of them would literally be 50 grams heavier than the other one. Um, so it was, it was. Um, it, we were also balancing them with uh, lead shot and sand at the time. Right, because this is just prototyping. No, these were the putters we were selling to people. Wait, you would sell you would sell a brand new putter with lead tape? No, 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 lead shot. That like BBs, like 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 buckshot. Like okay, from a from a shotgun. Oh, and you would put that into a uh, a hole, into the little holes on the, the side cavity. of the face and, and in the shaft, and then okay. fill the gaps in between the little BBs with sand. My um, God, the, the the early pictures are hilarious, and then we start. They're like one of the first orders of business. We switched to tungsten powder. But still, it was like it was completely archaic, and like there's, we have these pictures from the old build shop, and there was these little like um, like cartoon little dentist cups. Yeah. Oh yeah. That were yeah. filled uh-huh. with sand and Dixie tungsten, cups, and yeah. we would just be like, Meep. yeah, sit there and balance it back and forth. So anyway, so Bill, uh, um, no, does not use rulers. Rulers all feel, and so he starts drilling holes in different putters to see if he can get one in his homemade revealer to just. Wait, at this point, it wasn't even about getting it to stay square in motion. He wanted one to stay square at address, static, like just in a in a static position. Um, so he grabbed a baby Ben, was um, a Bettinardi putter when Bettinardi was with Ben Hogan, sort of an anvil shaped thing that uh, Jim Furyk won the 03 U.S. Open with. Okay. And um, and so he just started drilling holes all over it, trying to figure a spot that he could stick a shaft and, and just have the thing in there and just man yep. late night. I'm, How I'm, long is the process between when you know he he wait wait what was the moment? I want to I, I say it was like two years between that night 
and the patent being oh okay what, what, how long was the moment between that night and realizing that if he could essentially he didn't know what lie angle he might have known what lie angle balancing was at that point but how long was the moment between realizing that, like oh my god this putter's all jacked up and then like being like wait this one's better and his first prototype if you will his first putter that at, at address didn't wiggle I couldn't tell you. I don't know. Interesting. Um, so he partnered after that. He had a student, a golf student um, that was totally the, makes sense for this story. That was in the that was in the in the <laughs> in the piston business. Um, he forged pistons for a living, um, and he was an engineer by trade. And so Bill partnered with Scott Solprezio is his name, and those are the two guys that are on the patent. Um, and you know, Scott took Bill's very rugged you know, theory here. Um, and the two of them together engineered um, the first couple prototypes. And you think the freaking DF is big. You should have seen some of the, the... Really? Oh, my God. Were they were they attempting to be conforming? Yeah. Okay, there's no limit to size of a putter head. Like, it could be a piece no, of No, don't box. you remember the ping dock? Oh, yeah. No, I don't. You don't? No. It was like... How big are we talking? Like a manhole cover? I would say that heel to toe... The dock, there was two sizes of it. I would say that the big one has to be at least four inches wider than the DF, at least. Somebody, somebody pull up a picture of it. It is, it is I'll, and I'll the find DF is of, already about six and a half inches. I don't know what it is. It's huge, but yeah, yeah it's um, this yeah, is there's, so fascinating. Yes, yeah. this moment of light bulb, dude, it's incredible. I mean, and it and it and it never stops amazing me. Like it yeah. never. The, the 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 oh yeah power, this one mm-hmm. the power of this invention never ever stops amazing me oh wow I think that's actually the small one um and yeah and like a lot of inventors he knew it was a big deal but like he was always just kind of on to the next so here's this idea how the, do we make it better how do we make it this how do we make it the prototype. What's that? The ride for him was just prototype. And yeah. then he was like, cool, what's next? Yeah. He didn't want to run a business. Oh, no, I don't mean in that regard. I just mean like with the invention, like at, at no point did he ever stop and say, look at what I've done. Right. Like he was just in a perpetual state of trying to improve the product. Mm. Um, and so I always, I wonder like, did he? does he have moments where he, you know, falls asleep and is like, fuck yeah, look what I did. Yeah. Um, but generally with inventor types, you don't, you don't really see that. They're yeah. just you know they're just in their zone and he's in that zone most of the time yeah I'd like to meet this guy well um, we we uh we have a dinner pretty soon you know? yeah we are abandoned we just filmed today we had a great day um how was your day totally honest i'm a little ragey <laughs> i saw you have one you know, a lot of people swing. don't like you sam <laughs> you had an angry swing and that was dead in the center of the fairway what's are, that i feel like you're a pretty good angry golfer uh, I guess, but man. You performed okay. I, you, know, you came out for the breaking series, played band, and you played here a hundred times. I played here a hundred fucking times, man. And like, that was literally the most benign I have ever seen that golf course. Yeah, there was no wind. It was just ripe. What was it? Um, was it the cameras? No, it wasn't the no. cameras. Uh, it wasn't the cameras. It wasn't the pace. It was my pitching and chipping. One hundred percent. That's all it was. And I've been, I've been on like, that's why I'm so ragey right now. Yeah. Um, I'm 
madly in love with Brett Rumford, um, who is a short is. game extraordinary. He's oh, an cool. absolute You're working genius. on something. And dude blew my mind like two months ago, and I've just gone down this crazy-ass rabbit hole on pitching, plus all the stuff with Joe Mayo and Victor Hovland and all this crazy. So I'm like, my, I've been, I've been tr- there's no exaggeration. I've been pitching for a minimum of 90 minutes every day. Wow. Um, I show up at work as early as I can. I pitch for 90 minutes, and I go into In the work. sim. And I was so excited to come down here. And yesterday I spent probably 90 minutes out on the pitching green just like finally having the confidence to nip shots off these tight lies and all this stuff. Yeah. And then right off the bat. First um, hole, yeah, you went back and forth. It's funny. That was tough. I did notice before the round, you were in, on a lot of the tee boxes, you would pitch to the front of the tee box, pitch back. Yeah. Before the round, I saw him hit two shots, chip two shots into like a sprinkler head on right. purpose immediately and the two people next to me like no- noticed it and called it out and i was like oh sam's going low today <laughs> Dude, it's, but it's hard expectation is the I thief was of so joy fucking going low today and then you you thought it was like in the 60s 100 percent. i've been playing so good and then when i saw that there was no wind um and then i also heard that they the course was set up super easy because of some tournament that like every pin was in the middle of fucking green yeah they weren't the hardest pins no it was a joke so yes i I totally thought i was going low and then i started double double (laughs) bogey and like i could i I would be less ragey if like i finished double double bogey because then i would have yeah because then i would have had like five hours of like I don't hope know if and that's enjoyment, true. but like to have my my hopes and dreams crushed in the first nine minutes that I was on the fucking golf course. Oh yeah, I guess. But yeah, it was frustrating. I want to go out and do it again tomorrow, but alas, back to work. Back what to work. Uh, do we need to cover anything, or we're we just winding down? No, any questions? Let's go get food. What do you want for dinner? Oh, you got questions for me? Mm-hmm. Questions for JoJo? Questions uh, for the audience? Um, no, I don't think so. Yeah, probably cool. for the best. Yeah, never know. Have, yeah, probably for the best. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I have questions, but they're they're too long for the allotted time. You're drive find, me. You're going to drive you me all kinds Eugene of questions can, on your we can on talk your drive tomorrow. tomorrow. I find yeah. I find your 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 place in this game incredibly interesting. Really? Yeah. yeah. Like you're uh, in many ways a man after my own heart, uh, approaching the game from uh, 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 psychological, spiritual side of it all. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I was asking you a little bit about out on the course, like just, uh, the task of maintaining that kind of passion must, must be pretty interesting. I want to hear more about it. Well, what's interesting is you and I have kind of different jobs. Like my job really exists a lot on the golf course. Right. So it is a little different, but yeah, we can, we can unpack that tomorrow. Maybe we'll bring the mics in the car. I was just about to say, just, just keep it, keep it coming. I'm in. <laughs> um, so it was great to spend some time with you on the podcast. I hope everyone enjoyed hearing your story and some bit about you. And I really hope everyone supports lab. Me too. It's just, uh, it's easy to do because it's only going to help. And if it doesn't help at first, just give us a call because there's only two or three reasons why anybody would struggle with our stuff and they're super easy to fix. And we want you to put better real bad. Yeah. So support yourself and support lab support uh our podcast so we do have a obviously you should know this by now and we'll probably do this when we do a pre-intro later but there will be some type of link to click there's always people, a link there's every, always every a link. episode there's a link, a link first thing labgolf.com slash remote dash fitting and uh yeah you guys do the best thanks Sam. peace